Warning. This podcast may prove to be damaging to the comfort of closely held presuppositions. Remember to practice Acts 17.11 and examine the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. From Revelation 16. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garments. Lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. Shalom, greetings, peace be upon you. Welcome back to the broadcast. Um, Sean, website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. And the mission needs your prayers, needs your support. So for being blessed by this, please consider going there. I tell you, strange times. Just bizarre times. Just a bizarre time to be alive. Several things I just I wanted to talk about this morning. It's hard to decide. Uh... I decided that uh, we'd be looking at Revelation chapter 16 today, but part of me also wanted to talk about just the patience of the saints. And uh, Lord willing, I won't forget uh, to discuss uh, all of that. Because that is that is definitely something that is extremely important. So we're going to look at Revelation 16 today. And, you know, in 2014, that's when I started this podcast podcast in its kind of like original uh, beginning form. It was called Truth Fed at the time. And my main goal was to warn people and inform those who were willing to listen that the end was near and that the world was about to change forever and that the return of Christ was nigh. Now, when I was warning 10 years ago that the world was about to change forever, I had no idea what it was going to look like. 
and I certainly didn't expect it to look the way it does. I didn't know how how it was going to ch- my view of how it would change was a little bit different than how it actually changed. But there's no question that the world we're living in today looks is not even a resemblance of what it was just a decade or more ago. It's astonishing. It's shocking at times. At the time that I was saying those things, I couldn't have imagined the world and even specifically the United States to be that it would become as wicked and godless as it is. I expected economic fallout, I expected war, I expected all those, you know, God's judgment, like I expected all those things based on the scriptures and the times and all of that, but the thing that's really shocked me the most is how far humanity has fallen into the depths of hell as far as wickedness is concerned. You know, at that time, I actually started the podcast sooner than, it was actually 2013, I think. But it was 2000, probably 2014 when I switched from just talking about the news and economy and crazy things happening and, and we started talking about Bible prophecy and those sort of things. I remember at that time we had those series of blood moons, each appearing to fall on an appointed feast over that two years. And it like culminated, it ended with that super blood moon on the Feast of Trumpets. That day, I sat in my car as it became evening in Israel, and it was like lunchtime here. And I watched the live feed of the Wailing Wall. Uh, just ex- and watching the Feast of Trumpets happening and just expecting with some pretty serious confidence and faith that we were going to hear the trumpet blast and this thing was going to come was going to be a wrap uh, but it didn't come that day came and went and time marched on and to my complete astonishment like I said earlier the world has continued to plummet and even darker into the abyss beyond what I could have imagined I mean in time, at times I can't believe my eyes in fact I'm actually horrified and my soul like the soul of Lot is vexed day to day with the ungodliness that's happening in our midst. The absolute evil and the absolute love for that evil by the whole general population. It's a culture obsessed with death, obsessed with sexual immorality and perversity, even now towards small children. Men love themselves. They love pleasure while hating God. Amazing times we're living in. Something I was thinking about, though, is that while this is this is the situation, we, as God's people, as God's remnant, which is a lot smaller than I think we probably realize, we're chosen from the foundations of the world 
to be a salt and a light, to be communicators of the gospel of the kingdom of God and and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were chosen from the beginning of time to live in this time of craziness, madness, darkness, deception, delusion, to bring hope and truth to a godless, dying generation. You were, you were selected for, for one of the most important jobs in human history. You were selected to take on one of the most difficult times in human history. Now, it's not as difficult as some other times at the moment in certain areas, but when it comes to facing a godless culture, wherein it's not just the nation you live in or the village you live in or the city you live in. It's the united world against God. Like, that's our situation. If we are the generation to see the sky split open, and Messiah return... And he had selected us to be the saints of that day. One could argue we're the most blessed of God's people of all time. So let's not hang our heads in despair. We have to remember to be patient. That's what that's what the book of Revelation is talking about when it says, Here is the patience of the saints. They follow Jesus and they obey the commandments like these are, in spite of the mess that they're in. They still walk in the light. And they're strange, peculiar people to the rest of the world because the world's burning. They're like, why aren't you flipping out like the rest of us? Because there's something different about me. Spirit of God lives in me. I have a hope beyond this decaying, dying world. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive his promise. A lot of us, we do these things, we do what we're called to do, and five years goes by, or a decade goes by, and 20 years goes by, and we're like, where's the answer to the prayers? Like, where is, does God answer prayer? Where is he? Why... Why hasn't he, he promised me this thing? Like I thought, I felt this in my spirit and I did the work and where is the outcome? One of the most difficult things that we do, I think, is, is dealing <laughs> with the reality that God's time and timing is so different than our own. And waiting on God is one of the most difficult things yet. That's what we're called to do. For you have need of patience, this is Hebrew chapter 10, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive his promise for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just live by faith. But if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You got to persevere in the faith. 
That's one of the main themes in the book of Revelation. It's not just here's a bunch of crazy symbolism and and esoteric uh, prophecy and all of the, there There's one of the themes is the patience of the saints and persevering in the faith in the face of insanity. Being a voice of reason in the face of insanity. Trusting God in the face of insanity. I said I was going to read Revelation 16, so it's time for me to stop the rant. We're just going to look at it. I haven't. We're not going to flush it out completely and all of those things. Um, but we are going to have a have a read and just ponder it kind of in our hearts. The thing that's so interesting, so Revelation 16 is about the seven bowls, and I'm leaning towards the thought process. The seven bowls and the seven trumpets are are the same judgments, just with some different descriptors. Not like 14 different things that happen, but it's all it's seven trumpets. Here's seven vial. Like it's painting a picture, giving different details. And some of it we can see connect real easily. But again, my goal this morning is not to try to flush out all the prophecy. It's just for us to listen. And the thing I wanted to point out is it appears that the world knows. This is how prideful man is. The world knows that the judgments are coming from God. Like there's no question about it. And yet... They refuse to repent. They dig in all the more. The Bible talks about how there'll be people cast into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's going to be people that are thrown into eternal damnation that'll still be shaking their fist at God while they burn. Pride. What a horrible thing. Let it never take seed in any of us. Okay. I said I was going to stop rambling. Revelation 16. Let's have a look. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So the first thing to note is that before this wrath is poured out, the mark of the beast has already made its rounds. People have already had to make the decision whether or not to take it. And obviously the beast and the image of the beast, which in our day so easy to foresee, so easy we could see that. We could see this tomorrow. Like people worshipping AI or something. You know, like, not difficult. The mark of the beast, that is not a difficult thing to imagine anymore. But obviously, that has already happened. When this judgment, when this wrath of God is poured out. Verse 3. 
And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. And a third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters, and they became blood. So see, we have everything dying in the sea. We have not just the sea, but all the rivers. Like the water's gone. Undrinkable now. Verse 5, And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Now in this instance, the they who have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets is the world. Um, Babylon also gets this title. So if you go to Revelation 18, I'm not going to pull it up. Um, you can look at it yourself. But if you go to Revelation 18, one of the crimes was what was in them was the blood of the saints and the prophets and of all, and of all the earth, right? So the, there's this like wrath that's being poured out for all the blood of God's people maybe throughout all time and I'm sure there's going to be a massive persecution towards the end that's also not difficult to imagine verse 7 and I heard another out of the altar say even so Lord God almighty true and righteous are thy judgments and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. So there's the first thing. Their response to the fact that they're being scorched and burned with heat is to blaspheme the one true God, who has power over the plagues. They refuse to repent. Verse 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because their pain and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. So here we have the power and the seat of the beast going into darkness. Full darkness, it says. They're in so much pain, they're like chewing on their tongue to try to focus on something other than the pain that they're in. They blaspheme God. They refuse to repent. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the king of the east might be prepared. People debate over who the king of the east is. A lot of commentators of old think it's Turkey. Modern times, we think of China. The reason we think of China is because we read about the size of this army when we get to the trumpet part. So if we go to Revelation, I've got it pulled up here, Revelation chapter 9, I believe. Well, I don't have it pulled up, but I'll pull it up. We get some more information about this. So Revelation 9... 
I got to change the version here. We're not going to read from the non-inspired version. Here's what it says about the sixth trumpet. The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had a trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. <laughs> this is so interesting. Apparently there's four angelic beings bound at the river Euphrates. I'm guessing they're not of the kind sort. They're probably of the sort that came down in Genesis 6 and then were bound, like Peter says, in chains until the, you know, to the end. Under the, apparently under the river Euphrates, they're going to be released. And the four angels had, who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year. Why is the Bible telling you that? It's saying they were prepared for that, this very moment were released. And here's what they do. So that they would kill a third of mankind. That's a lot of people. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. And I heard the number of them. So, there's a, there's a way it's made for an army. And apparently the army is 200 million. These angels go... Kill a third of mankind. What's interesting is this sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. If you go do some research, one of the most top Google thing over the last couple of years is the river Euphrates. Why? Because as we speak, it's going dry. Go look it up. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, it's not frogs coming out of their mouth. It's unclean spirits, but it's like a pl like the plague of frogs is what it's getting at. And verse 14 explains it to you. For they are the spirits of devils. So they're demonic spirits that's coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. So these evil demonic spirits go forth, and they're the ones that kind of manipulate the mind and convince uh the world to come against God for the great day of battle. And then in verse 15, the Lord says this, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. When he's talking about keeping his garments, he's talking about walking in purity, obeying God's commandments, persevering in the faith, Right? Jesus is saying, I'm coming as a thief. In other words, sh surprisingly, shockingly, at a time that people aren't thinking, blessed are those who are watching for me and keeping their garments, persevering in the faith, obeying God. Because those who aren't persevering in the faith, they're not walking close to God, they're not obeying God. It talks about shame, their shame, when Christ does return. And he gathered them together, verse 16, to a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Or 
almost done here. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices, thunders, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as not was not since such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. So when the seventh bowl is poured out, there's going to be voices, that's interesting, thunders and lightnings, and the greatest earthquake in human history. It says there was a great earthquake. There's never been one like this since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. We're talking unfathomable, unthinkable shaking. Verse 19, And the great city was divided into three parts, and the city of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her a cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So Great Babylon, Mystery Babylon, is still functioning at this time. Still in power, if you can believe it. But after the earthquakes, the cities around the world are falling. Devastated. And then God remembers Babylon. To pour out his wrath. Verse 20, two more verses. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. So the earthquake is so great that we're talking the landscape of the earth is completely altered. Here's the last thing. And there fell upon a men, fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, even stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. Here's some commentary from F.B. Meyer about like these last ten verses. He says, All these judgments apparently refer to the destruction of those great systems of falsehood and apostasy which set themselves against the truth and purity of God. The dragon, beast, and false prophet are the devil's mimicry, mimicry, mimicry of the divine trinity. The dragon corresponds to God the Father and delegating his authority. The beast, like our Lord, is crowned with diadems. And the false prophet directs attention to the beast, as does the Holy Ghost. This is kind of like Satan's mockery of God of the Godhead. The mystery of iniquity will make one last effort to obtain the empire of the world. Seeking to effect its purpose through a human confederacy. When that confederacy has reached its climax of effrontery, the coming of the Son of God is near. Hence, the need for watchfulness and purity. He's referring to the Revel- that verse 15, where Christ says, Blessed is he who watches, and blessed is he who keeps his garment. Dude, this is so important. It's so important that the people of God understand that they have a responsibility in how they walk before Him. They need to be paying attention and watching for Him. They have no excuse not to look at the world. 
if you're burying your head if you if you don't think there's a need to watch for the return and then of course purity then of course purity Effie Meyer thinks that the great city that that's being talked about here is actually just symbolic for the apostate church And he ends by saying, the true bride is away from these judgments, awaiting the manifestation of her Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly, and please remember us. Remember mercy. I hope you've been blessed this morning. Maybe I've touched on some things you've been thinking about yourself. I think uh, more and more we're going to be having these conversations because the time is nigh. People need to wake up. For 10 years, I've been telling people to wake up. And it seems like the more insane the world gets, the more people fall asleep. It's, a, it's, a, it's incredible. Or the more people will just, they fall away from the faith, which the Bible says. There'll be a great falling away at that time. Why? Because what happens is, and this will be my ending statement, ending thought. People are are comfortable following Christ and being a Christian as long as it's safe and, you know, doesn't come with any cost. Even though Jesus says, before you follow me, count the cost. So as the temperature rises... It gets too hot for some. And they say, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for peace, wealth, and prosperity. I didn't sign up for being hated, being mocked, being ridiculed, losing jobs, being threatened. I thought when Christ said I had to die to myself daily and follow him, that that was just hyperbole, right? I didn't think he actually meant it, that I was going to have to pay a price with my life. Be patient. Be patient. God is not slack when it comes to his promises. These things are going to happen. Will there be any faith left when he returns? That's the question. That's all I have for you this morning. Please consider supporting this mission of truth. It's getting harder and harder to do this. And so your prayers and your support is more needed now than ever. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.